You're about to listen to a Gods and Movie Makers bonus episode. As promised in our season one finale, we will be releasing all of our bonus chats where we talk to our guests about pedagogy, research and film. We recommend listening to our main episode before this bonus chat for the full context of our discussion. For more information about the podcast, the films discussed and reading suggestions, head on over to our website, godsandmoviemakers.com. And now for our bonus chat, with Dr. Michelle Fletcher. Hello to our lovely subscribers. We're back with Dr. Michelle Fletcher, New Testament scholar specializing in the Book of Revelation, textual imitation, reception criticism, and visual art. And we're talking today about the Terminator and pedagogy. Welcome back, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me, Katie and Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're just going to start with uh, the same question we'll ask all of our guests, which is, would you use this movie, in this case, The Terminator, in a classroom or other teaching platform or as part of your research? So I have used it in conjunction with other Terminator films in classrooms. The thing with it is that it is pretty retro these days. So if you're talking to a group of students, then you might want to contextualize it. The special effects look pretty dated. So you've got to think about ways to present it to them that will really open it up and make it worthwhile rather than they're just watching something that looks lame and old and is outside of their experience range. So the way that I've taught with it is I've used it to explain the dating of the book of Revelation and why it's so important to consider whether it is pre or post temple destruction. Mm -hmm. It's really easy when you're talking about the past and trying to convey to students the importance of whether we're dating something in the 60s or the 90s. But in the end, it's all so long ago. Does it really, really matter? And so I've used the Terminator franchise to show the way that politics across a 40-year period have shifted so much to change the material fabric of these films, the way the characters work and the outlook they have. What happens in a 1984 film in relation to the Cold War and the anxieties at that point versus 1991 with the idea of the rise of technology of Japan as a nation and the way that that is competing against America for microchips. That's part of the anxiety that we find within that film versus the post 9-11 narrative of survival but we can't avoid Judgment Day that happens in 2003 Terminator 3, Jonathan Mostow, versus Terminator Salvation as we move into a period of discontent and reuse and wondering what happened to the past of the 80s and people facing up to the fact that actually most of the people who were in those films and involved with those films have either passed away or certainly are not at their prime anymore. And so this shows that over 40 years you can have a massive change in how much politics inflects and changes the way that we see our filmic texts. And in the same way, With Revelation, if it's dated in the 60s, pre the destruction of the temple, pre those wars, versus if it's dated in the 90s, and that seismic shift within the people of Israel, how does that change the way that we might read that book? And if we place it within those different historical contexts, what might happen with the different anxieties that we see it might be addressing to those early listeners to this text. I'm wondering whether we should perhaps step back a little bit from that 
and I'm not sure how much our listeners may or may not know about the temple destruction and the events of the first century. Okay. So at this point, Rome is ever-increasing in bureaucratic and imperial measures in the region, in ancient Israel, and... As time goes on, there seems to be more and more unrest and eventually a kind of perhaps a civil war between different factions breaks out. But there's also like a lot of conflict with local Roman governors and enough is enough. And the Roman top brass send in the legions. And after a few years of fighting culminating in the siege of Jerusalem, the temple which has stood for five centuries, really important symbol in ancient Judaism, is burnt, destroyed and the temple vessels are carried off by the Romans in triumph, and we have this depopulation of Jerusalem for a while, and from this kind of destruction of what we call Second Temple Period Judaism, we start to lay the foundations of what will become Rabbinic Judaism. Is that suitable? Sounds fine to me. Yeah, good to me. Good summary. Means I don't have to say it. (laughs) And then also in this mix, we have emergence of this Jesus movement, lots of the texts have been written in and around this. And Mm -hmm. we know when the temple was destroyed in 70 CE. So often many debates around New Testament dating treat this as a pivotal, really big event. If the texts show some awareness of this event, we can date them after. And if the texts show no awareness of it, then we presume that the texts may have been written before 70. I think that we tend to think at least scholars tend to think about 70 as this pivotal moment. So there's the before and then there's after. And it was a pivotal moment. But I think what I'm kind of getting at from what you're talking about, Michelle, with how you've used the films is you're looking at this 40-year period over which these films have been produced and showing how much has changed over 40 years. Exactly. And so you're not looking at just a single point of time before and after. And I think sometimes that when we look at the past, we can forget that things happen quickly and that there is change. And I don't know if you've encountered this sometimes um, when you're teaching, but I have encountered people just actually expressing that they hadn't really considered change. So between one year and then 30 years later or 40 years later or 50 years later, that things would change in antiquity. There's this idea of, a, I suppose, a sort of stasis Mm. outside of these big pivotal moments like 70. Exactly. So have you felt this with your students also that you're really shaking up their sense of people changed even in the past, people changed? Well, I think what I always... I do it to start the lecture, actually. Generally, when I do an introduction to Revelation, I set up this idea that dating is so important for Revelation, but that we're moving between a 30, 40-year period with it. And so just to get them into that context of all of the things that they need to be thinking about. So by the time they've got to the end of the lecture, I've sort of dealt with it, so I don't know if it is an anxiety they have, but I want... It's a difficult amount of time to consider. And I think with the rise of technology, it's very easy to say, well, our things have changed more in the last 100 years than they ever have in the past. And so just getting people to see those subtle changes almost that we see in cinema helps them to have an awareness that these products themselves, they're not pieces of religious writing. They're not people writing political speeches. They're pop culture and they're pretty trashy pop culture. It's not like they're aimed at trying to make any really grave points, 
But if we can get people to see that these texts that we're engaging with in the past are in context, written in a place, and that they're speaking to audiences as well, and that the audiences watching are relating to them and having different feelings towards them. If you watch The Terminator today, it's very different from if you watched it in 1984 in a cinema. What happens with that, that it allows them to have a film which still, a franchise which still stretches into the present, but opens up that nice little historicizing route into the past to show how complex the web of history is and when we're doing biblical scholarship we're always entering into that web of history we're not entering into a solidified past that looks like it's set in stone as we dig it up in archaeology but it's this springy elastic thing and these films when you take them and watch them as a piece of cinema are taken out of context in that sense you enjoy it right it's exciting it's got Arnie on a motorbike doing a 180 turn it's enjoyable (laughs) But it's got this other stuff going on with it. And I think it helps to just create a bridge of what it's like to experience visceral texts, what it's like to still be moved by them and enjoy them in the present, but to realise that people engaging with these texts in the past have engaged with them differently from us and at different time points, not that far apart, have engaged with them very differently. And it opens up that power of reception history as well. So the complexities of contextualization, reception, us today, who we are, how we react. So you get that sense of Terminator is almost changed because of Terminator 2 and the ongoing films. And then you you think of them differently because the rather convoluted timeline gets set and reset and the rules of time travel or thinking about the future change between the films so you get that reading of it that I think we've tried to unpick a little bit but you think about this with ancient texts the how fairly soon after rereadings of these texts often shape how we now think of those texts and that maybe going back to them and thinking about them again without these later contexts. It's a great way to allow people to see the complexity of what we might term intertextuality, palimpsest, replay, The films are constantly, because of the temporality and because they do have this springy timeline in and of themselves, and we now have the newer increments which are kind of resetting that timeline, the first four sort of march in a bit of a line, whereas it moves the timeline sideways. It allows you to really see the complexity of what it's like to read the revelation of John and the apocalypse of Peter and look at a medieval Silas apocalypse and have people being burnt at the stake while it's being read by monks, and have the Crusades. So it allows you to see the sense of update, of re-imbuing things with different meanings, and the way that we can see films have intertextual linkages in the way that our biblical texts and later interpretations of them do. It has that sense of a living text, which is what we need to imbue into people reading the Bible, which is that it is a living text in the sense that every reading of it is an interpretation. And it's sometimes difficult to do that unless you step aside from texts which people have so much vested interest in. So I've always found film works best for me when I use it obliquely and think, how can I bring this in so that we can play and we can explore the reality of being human and the way that we relate to history, to time, to seeing things, to texts? What are we as readers? How are we in relation to other people? And Terminator as a list of films, as a growing body of films, allows you to 
explore some of those ideas of update and can you unsee what's been seen when arnie says i'll be back and you watch the film again it's i'll be back right Mm. like you can't ever get back to what it was like when people first heard that when he was conan so it allows you to ask some of these really complicated questions which are really important in teaching when people are approaching the text from whatever whether it's a place of strangeness whether it's a text that's been used for ill, whether it's a text people think is a load of rubbish, whether it's a text that they think is an errand, to get them to step aside from that and to ask questions about what it is to be a human in history engaging with the text. I think that a franchise of films which is so self-aware and plays with update in such a self-aware mode allows us to do that but in a way that can get people to have that experience without those vested interests. You've done such a good job of explaining it. And I was thinking about my own experience re-watching The Terminator. And I was trying to shed my knowledge of it as I was watching it ahead of this discussion, which is a very hard thing to do. But I noticed a few things as I was doing that. Like, I actually paused to check, and it's 40 minutes into the film before you're definitively told that Arnold Schwarzenegger is the bad guy and that Kyle Reese is the good guy because they are paralleled throughout and you're given a lot of visual cues that they are different. But it's Kyle that Sarah spots first. So she had all of her fears directed towards him. And I, I'm not sure I would have noticed that if I just sat and watched it without consciously trying to strip away my pre-knowledge of the film but also the bit when Kyle says come with me if you want to live it was so hard hearing it not in Arnold's voice (laughs) that's so funny because I watched them the other way around I I mean I've watched Terminator 2 so many more times in my life than I've watched the Terminator and so even though I knew in Terminator 2 it's a callback to the first one it's still the one that's lodged in my head. So I think the point that you're making about using these films in order to to think about how we engage with texts and how we understand, how we think about how people at the time were engaging with texts, it's a really helpful mm. approach. And it's a way you could think about in relation to the classic good old lecture we give on the synoptic gospels and the gospel of John and source Q, people who teach. The gospels talk about these texts and what sources might they have had? Were there oral sources floating around that got written down? How did they become these four gospels that had these similarities but differences? And that idea of which one you view to be first. If you read it through, Mark is the first gospel or Matthew is the first gospel. What if you read it with John being the first gospel? The way that people encounter a certain text first or that they have more of an experience of one text or that a level of primacy is given to one text as original. What happens with that? How does it play out? Is the gospel of John more like Terminator Salvation firing off in a different direction? Or is it actually more like the Gospel of Mark? And I think that might sound quite facile, but I think it could be done in quite an interesting way of considering that the way that you see one thing shapes the way that you see the other thing. And all four of them have this dialogue with each other. And you have to make decisions and choices if you're being set questions, such as which text do you think is the earliest? But that you can get more into those ideas of what we're projecting onto them, what we're making up, the the way that we are creating constructs and the way that what you see first does shape 
the way that you understand films because in some ways for you the Terminator is a prequel because you've seen Terminator 2 so you're almost watching prequel rather than yeah. original and mm-hmm. the ways that we approach prequel is there's a whole scholarship on what how we deal with prequel versus sequel should we read the gospels through sequel theory so I think that's another way you could deal with it and I know it's looking at franchise rather than the film on its own but I think that part of the gift of the Terminator franchise is that you can use it as this springy set of time travel films which do ask these interesting questions and because people have done so much homage to previous films when the new directors have taken on obviously Cameron homages himself because he would but Mostow and McGee also very much to the point that Cameron actually criticizes McGee and Salvation for being overly homagey what happens is is the Johannine gospel overly homagey to Mark potentially might we want to argue that so that's another way that I think it could be used in quite a springy interesting way the other way that springs to mind is the evil way I, you could use it in relation to what does ultimate evil look like questions of evil can you bargain with evil discussions of portrayals of satan of the devil as you said that in an earlier discussion that we had where would you go with that could you use this of what if you've got something that can never be bargained for i think it's also interesting in relation to casting if you were teaching jesus films because i think it would allow you to ask questions around who's cast as the terminator the fact that the terminator was meant to be cast as an everyday guy who could slip into the crowd lance hendrickson does not look like arnold Schwarzenegger. he's definitely not so how would it look? There is actually some artwork where Cameron mocked it up with Lance's face to start off with before he mocked it up with Arnie's face. What happens with that? How can you open up students' minds to Jesus and to all of the things that we project onto Jesus? Jesus' star appeal. I listened to a fantastic paper recently on the fame of Jesus. What do we do with the fact Jesus is so famous? How do you get through that star studies persona of Jesus and look at him on screen with 2,000 years of projected history. Revelations Jesus is pretty different from the Gospel of Matthew's Jesus. What happens when you have those different portraits of Jesus? What happens if you have different stars playing the Terminator? And the major disappointment in Terminator Salvation was that you got to see Arnie for like five seconds as a digital remake rather than Mm the Terminator per se they preferred old Arnie in Terminator 3 because Arnie is the Terminator and in one of the more recent ones he's he's back again he's back again because without him is there a Terminator Mm. and what happens in the same way with JC what is happening with Jesus Christ what happens when you change what people think he is when you change what his face looks like when you change the way that people perceive him and i I think that revelation jesus which people tend to compartmentalize as symbolic and strange versus jesus of the gospels the new testament is presenting both of them as jesus and you have you know these accounts of the risen christ and one of the first-hand accounts of a risen christ is a very strange vision of a man with a big sword coming out of his mouth now you might describe it as symbolic that's absolutely fine but it's still in the new testament as a portrait of the risen christ the other one goes up into heaven so you know then both doing some slightly out of the ordinary stuff and so Mm. using terminator because it is the film that really propelled arnold into being the person that he is the star that he is today what would happen if somebody else had played it 
I was then thinking of Ian Holm in the Alien film. Yes. Where you don't know, sorry for anyone who hasn't seen <laughs> Alien, but he is an android, much like Lance Hendrickson Bishop in Aliens. There, there's the link. So Ian Holm is revealed quite a way into the film that he is uh, an android who's essentially been working against the best interests of the crew as a kind of a secondary antagonist in some ways. So if you had Ian Holm as the Terminator and he's a relentless killing machine coming after Sarah Connor. The Bilbo Baggins. The, yeah, I'm really, <laughs> really interested in this, like how much casting choices what what does our mind's eye, and in film, our mind's eye is in the eye, but we've been given this picture of a protagonist and who embodies that really affects all these things. And it's the contextual nature of that. And as Arnold is now megastar, a governor, um, all over TikTok, I think, as well, it's like, uh, yeah, all of that is part of the context of the Terminator now. And we can't really separate it without a lot of effort and what's your first encounter we've talked about this coming back like when you're dealing with the bible what's your first encounter of the bible or if you're dealing with new testament or the gospels what's your first encounter of jesus is it a picture is it that it was another religion and this is a strange man who you don't really know anything about is it the first time you've encountered jesus in this class that's not abnormal to have people who haven't encountered christianity before within a class so you get a variety of stories telling getting students to say you know what's your first memory of or is this the first time you have and finding out that the way that we have an original experience of something obviously you can't unsee what you've seen so how does that affect the way that you visualize conceptualize if you like jesus films what's the first one you saw does that meet is that jesus for you because you've seen some sort of person playing jesus on the screen can you stomach a different jesus or if you've got a favorite icon we talked about icons in our podcast what happens if we've got a different icon that looks different from the one that is your one what happens when we see a different face playing something and obviously the, this epoch making arnie idea that has so much literature on what would have happened if someone else had played him would it have been very different if linda hamilton had been rosanna arquette or um jennifer jason lee the two others who were mooted to play i'm not 100 percent sure if that would have changed the face of the film forever but the terminator that's fascinating as well because a large part of why I just love the Terminator effects, I I mean, I can, yes, accept the argument they're dated, but I still think they're absolutely incredible. James Cameron is a real workhorse. Uh, um, Stan Winston and Fantasy 2 are your, uh, your people behind that that really get the credit. Absolutely phenomenal. He'd worked on a film, um, I think... Uh, galaxy of terror or something before this and worked on a lot of the concept and behind the scenes stuff of how to get the effects done but yeah thank you for crediting stan winston the workshop they because as he becomes more and more dehumanized and stripped of the arnold flesh the transformation from arnold schwarzenegger into the terminator robot is done very very well but then in every go back to it they always want to reclothe him in arnold so unfortunately even that really iconic robot design wasn't able to dislodge arnold's star power i think it's his voice also like as you're talking about this i was thinking that his voice also works so well so when you think about the terminator you think about 
Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice. You're close. Give them to me. <laughs> but I think particularly in the sense of going back to where we started with it being a Cold War anxiety film and his accent being Austrian, I think there, it probably added a little element there. But then over time, when it becomes his accent, his particular accent, rather than an Austrian accent more generally, but just Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice becomes so beloved in American culture, that probably ends up shifting. It's very know. interesting because I've spoken to Germans about this um, in relation to Terminator. And obviously, Terminator is dubbed in Germany because Germans mm. have dubbed films. And so they just think he's this comedy character who's terrible because they know him as their loved dubbed voice. And it's right. not his voice. And so he's never had the traction <laughs> in the mm. same way because he doesn't have that sort of... What they describe part of the appeal of him in Terminator is because from the first time he speaks with the your clothes give them to me it's making strange and so obviously he is strange from the way that he looks because you're, you're getting very clear filmic signals that this person's probably not your mm. average person i mean how he's got bigger boobies than me and then you've got him saying this in a very strange accent to the general american film goer at that point he wasn't well known outside of conan he did have attraction from conan he's not the universal appeal that he had now so it is interesting when you hear the cross-cultural differences with that voice i think it is true and we've talked you know katie and i have talked before about film soundtracks and the sounds that we pick up when we're watching things and how they influence us and the way that we hear things and that is really important to get through to students when they're listening to texts, when they're reading texts, is the voice that we hear them in, the way that we hear them for the first time, and the level of what is our our understanding of it is so important. Do you have any key texts that you would assign as you're using this, the Terminator series, really, for this teaching? I, I mean, I'm always interested in Revelation, so why would I not set Revelation? What else would you want to set? Come on, let's look at Revelation. It's a, it's, they do pair well with Revelation. There's been some, you know, the surface level readings of apocalypticism and the obvious destruction, and it's Terminator Judgment Day. It's not mm. like Revelation has a monopoly on that idea, but within popular sensibility, it does. So I think that it does work really, really well with the Book of Revelation, with its replaying of the past, with the idea of what is evil. It's As I said, I would be cautious of ever setting it, though, unless you do the contextualization work, because if you set this for contemporary students, it is just going to look like an old, out-of-date film. And someone I know is the same age as me, but had never seen Terminator and had grown up on Terminator 2 even, which is really old now, it's 1991. They just found Terminator risible when they first watched the Terminator because they were just like, this is just so lame. It's so, so old and it's just so lame. And so I think there is, we want to set films to help with pedagogy, but I think if the overlaying becomes too contextually strange like Arnie's accent it doesn't create that traction it doesn't open it up so I think it's best to use it where it's got really good crossovers that make it an obvious strong worthwhile thing as I said I just use it as a slide with like four different pictures of the different terminators and talk through the different terminators just to set the scene and to show that this isn't your standard revelation class and that we're going to think about 
ourselves, the text, other people, temporality, historicizing. And I think those sort of things can really help. So I just because it, it's not, it is a classic, but you don't want to create any barriers. You would want to think carefully about the content of your text and that this map well. It's not one just to throw out there these days because people won't know the plot. It's super, super retro. So it, there's lots of nods in biblical studies books, particularly from the 90s and the early 2000s, to just mentioning Terminator in a really, really serious book that generally doesn't do anything else except serious biblical studies, but will throw in a, oh, of course, like Terminator, we might think Revelation is a time capsule to the future. And then they'll carry on. And you're just like, it was just trying to do a nod to popular culture, wasn't it? It's not unpacking anything particularly potent or useful. So I would caution using it with texts. For me, it's used within my own understanding of Revelation. And I think, you know, Katie's done a really convincing argument that you might want to do it in relation to the Annunciation, if you want to think about how it might happen, <laughs> literally, actively, how passive... Um, she is, but you are still asking students to traverse 40 years mm. back to a really contextualised film that broke lots of barriers, but still sits 40 years ago. So I think it's really important to bear that in mind. Are there other options? I love it, uh, but I wouldn't want my own geeking to get in the way of opening things up because there's too much cultural baggage in the way. I really like that as a strong caveat for thinking pedagogically about teaching with things rather than just teaching with things we, we love. It's do they also help others understand what the point we're trying to make? I also then just had a wild thought about because it is alien to students and dated and retro and all those other things, if you say, well, this came out 40 years ago, and you're struggling to access certain elements of this text, we're now going to think about a text that was authored 2,000 years ago. If you're struggling to get into the Terminator, which is visual and has all these other kind of elements that help us read it, maybe we should also really personally struggle with reading these texts that are far older and from far different cultures than the 80s. <laughs> Although I'd probably just use a picture of a laser disc to make that point. <laughs> there we are. Because it's always about using students' time as well. And I yes. think you want to use it valuably. So I think you could use a picture of the phone book scene from Terminator. You're not going to have a phone book killer anymore today. So we talk about classic slasher phone book killers, but it's not a thing. Like, mm -hmm. You've got to do like some sort of online thing. So there are some elements you could pick out of it and be like, this is a seminal film, you know, the Terminator film that just came out. This is the original, but look at how different it is back then. Here are some pictures. So let's think about what it might be like to traverse 2000 years. I think that would be excellent. So I think really good with that, but I probably wouldn't get them to watch the whole thing unless I was mm -hmm. doing like the way you've presented it as a chosen figure film. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to do chosen figures in the way that society is filled with these how do we think about them? How do we reread biblical texts if we think about saviors versus chosen figures? It would be excellent within that sort of um, syllabus. We'd set it because you've showed through your brilliant questions today that it has some real traction in relation to that. But I'm always keen to just do a screenshot of something if I can that can be used out of context with minimal amounts of explanation to allow students to get a point 
that doesn't involve a five minute explanation to get them to get to the point. It's good too because then once you set up an idea for them, if they want to go away and watch the movie and explore that idea more fully, they can. But it's their choice. And I always used to set an optional film on my courses as well every week. Oh, nice. So if we were dealing with electricity and difference and Ezekiel as aliens, you know, I sort of set the prestige. So there was always a sort of film that they could think about that played with some of the concepts that I would be dealing that week in the lectures because some people are more visual and might find that they can think intelligently. I'd set some a little explanation of the film, some of the key points, and say that we will explore some of it. And then I would use some stills to explain some of the points. So the idea of revelation, I had the reveal. What do you want from a reveal within the prestige? When we set it that week, how might you consider reveal as a concept? So you can use them that way as well. That can be really helpful if you're dealing with a particular topic, if you were dealing with reviewing things, or what's it like to watch an original if you're even looking at Mark's gospel, what's it like to get back to basics? If you want to give a Mark on priority in your teaching, you could set Terminator and say, what's it like to watch the first one? How's it lacking? What does it make you feel looking back at it? Are you pleased there are more of them? Those sort of things could be really powerful as well. So that's another way that I, I use film within teaching. Wow. I, I want to take your class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I think that's a good point to draw ourselves to a close, officially. Thanks again to our guest Michelle for her extra time today. As always, you can follow us at GodMorphPod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also contact us or donate on our website, godsandmoviemakers.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for subscribing. Until next time, I'm Joe Scales. And I'm Katie Turner. <laughs>